0: You know, I, I talk to people often about witnessing, about evangelizing. Some people, you know, they say it's hard. Some people have a little fear. You know, should I, should I not? You know, all of these things that go on in our minds. But this man does not struggle in any way to talk to anybody at any time. And so uh, Michael Constantine, I asked him to come up just to share just some things that he learned uh, over time, you know, talking to people, ministering. And listen listen to me. When I started this church, I did not know what I know now. When your children were 8 years old, they knew more when they were 18. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all have said, not mine, no. <laughs> they, they know more. So you understand, we're in this process of being developed into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. And Mike, I mean, he's actually, I'm not going to give you full credit yet. Uh, I hope I've traveled to more nations than him, but I think it's tit for tat right now. <laughs> anyway... He loves Jesus. He loves to talk to people about Jesus. I remember one time in Mexico, I don't know if you remember this, and I've always taught all of our disciples that, you know, when you get so much time to talk, you take that time to the fullest amount. If somebody says two minutes, I mean stop at two minutes. Don't stop less. Take all the time... And don't take no more time than the preacher told you to take. And so I told Mike we went Catamaco. We had just prayed for this lady. She had both, all anyway. It was horrific. Uh, and so I said, Mike, you take a few minutes. And uh, I told him ten specifically. And so he's on it, man. He just he's just preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. So all of my disciples would look at me at 10 minutes or close to see what the signal's gonna be. Because if you hit oil, you keep drilling. But if you don't hit oil, it's over. It might be over for a long time, because when we have this opportunity, we need to be ready. And So Mike is after it, boy, he's hitting that thing. It's an outdoor service, it's hot. And so at 10 minutes, he kinda looks at me, but he just does that. I don't even have time to even wink or do anything. <clears throat> and the dude never stopped. <laughs> and from that point on, I knew it would be hard to stop Michael Carcentina once he starts ministering the gospel. So Mike, come up here and just share. Maybe maybe about ten minutes. <laughs>
1: Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap yeah. of praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. Woo! Man, come on. They're going to say I tripped you. Please don't fall. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. I uh, He told me I was coming up here to encourage some youth, and this ain't encouraging the youth, so I'm just going to encourage myself along with you guys. And, and uh, I think one of the things that I learned the most on the mission field was teamwork how we work together as a body, how we cover each other's back, how we're always there for one another. You know, 9, 12, 15 guys would be in one apartment at one time, and ministers would be rotating in and out constantly, and we had to either sleep on the floor sleep on the couch or sleep on a cot. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about if you've been in the mission field, and so we got to work together, and uh, we just kind of gave to one another. We loved one another. You know, if you call, your phone, Jack, phone jacked uh, you. The charger. If it goes, you gotta have your phone. We were always there washing each other's clothes, folding each other's clothes. Man, the lady was in the kitchen and they were struggling. I ain't never. I, you you volunteered for kitchen duty and, and the lady struggling in the kitchen, so I just went in the kitchen and said, "Oh, I'm gonna tell you, get out the way." So, <laughs> man, I got pots and pans slinging and spice and food and everybody's eating and we having a good time. And so that's just really one of the things that I learned, but. I think one of the best things that I learned, I think one of the best things I learned was first of all, rule number one, hold the <laughs> mic to your mouth. Come on, who's heard that one, right? And uh uh, I'm down to nine minutes. Eight minutes and forty-two seconds. All right. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I tell you, when you take time out to know Jesus, you find him. When you st- stop. And your mind quits going in nine different places. Kids, schoolwork, bills, work, employees, mechanic shop. And you know what I'm talking about. And the doctor bills, and this is coming, and vacation is coming. When you stop, and you actually shut your mind down, and you focus on Jesus, you find out that he's real. You know, Hebrews 11, uh, uh, 6 says that God is and that he exists. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I've got to be honest with you. You ever look at somebody and they got that beautiful glow on them? That's because they're not worried about what's going on in life. They're so focused on Jesus. And I found out something that in him I really do live. I can move and operate in Christ. I have my understanding who I am. I'm no longer who I am. And I got to meet Jesus. Look, I've studied the scriptures. I ran into my prayer room 50 minutes. I'd run out and do something with the wife, go back to my prayer room. But this time I had days and weeks and weeks and months and months to just spend time. I quit worried about my finances. Lord, you want me here? You've got to pay the bill. Lord, you want me to be here? you got to pay the bill. And so I just took everything I had, threw it in one big old, one, well, one big old account. I threw it in one account, and I just went. House is in order. Mama's happy. She might be too happy. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: it was self-evident because I came home from India and Singapore And two days later she had me on another plane Going to Chicago I said baby if you don't love me Just tell me Uh (laughs) And I think you really find out How real Jesus is And I can tell you another thing When you're in a room full of men who've dedicated 20, 30 and 40 years You realize you don't know everything You ain't the such and such you thought you were you're gonna carry a bag or two, bruh. You're gonna wash the toilets, clean the kitchen. You're gonna do some things to serve some men of God who labored before you, and that also I learned. And when I was standing in this big church, 6,000 people, man, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to preach. No, you ain't preaching, you're sitting right there. <laughs> Oh, the flesh, oh, let me tell you, the flesh comes out. Oh, you think you ain't got no flesh? Stand around some guys that's been in ministry 30, 40 years, a rocking and rolling, and you know that. And oh, I know that scripture. Oh, I know, oh, I know that. Oh, I preached on that. And you can't say nothing. And boy, let me tell you something. Everything that's impure in your heart is going to come out. When you get in the fire and you start burning and you start living for Jesus, what you cannot see will show up. If you really want me to tell you what happened on the mission, you can clap. Go ahead. You might think you're holy. You ain't holy until you've been in 5,000-degree burning fire. Man, I'm standing next to, uh, I don't want to name drop. I ain't doing that. I'm standing next to this brother who's pretty awesome. I'll just say it that way. And I'm just like, whoo, he's like standing, well, I don't want to say that name either. I ain't dropping no name other than the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. And I'm going to tell you, every ounce of flesh that I carried, it came to the surface. And what, I got to be honest with you, one of the brothers walked up to me. He's, he's one of the lead guys for Joyce Myers ministry. I ain't dropping no that. pulled me to the side he said bro I see something you got some some specks in your window bro you need to wipe them off and he did it in love but that ain't the place to learn that's a place to grow and go when God sends you but this is the house of God this is where you need to grow this is where you learn, this is where you need to grow your roots you learn here, you make your mistakes here, you grow up here under your father you get loved by your mother and your father and then when they sin, they send you out with the house, with the blessing and the anointing and then you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation love you guys
0: Michael C Michael C It's my mama's birthday. It's your birthday. That's right. We're having a party today. I'd like to tell my mommy happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear mommy. Happy birthday to you. We have a party after the service, so I really knew it, but I forgot. Okay, we've been in a a season of prayer uh, for the last month in July, and uh, we've been awakening everyone in our fellowship to the place that you really need to get with the Father and come to Him through the provision of His Son, Jesus Christ, via the Holy Spirit. And so we really have been seeking the Lord. That's one reason this outreach went so well, because it was prayer. Listen, when you in tune with the Father through the provision of the cross via the Holy Spirit, you're going to know the Father's heart. And His heart is souls. The number one uh, task or responsibility for the church of Jesus Christ is to evangelize the lost. And so you can't tell me you're an intercessor and you're always with the Father praying and not be interested in souls. It, it just doesn't happen. It's not gonna happen. We, we would be fooling ourselves because when we go to the Father and we meet Him and we're conversing with Him and we're fellowshipping with Him, His heart is people. You, you won't stay prideful. You won't stay self-centered. You won't say... It won't be about our own self-ambition. Y'all understand, if you're really with the Father, He's doing something to you. You're receiving His heart. The Bible says, though, that you know, we, we should delight in the Lord, and He will give us the desires of our heart. But those desires in our heart came from Him because we've been fellowshipping with him. Listen, if I hang around you long enough, I will know your desires. And if I really love you, you know, I'll pray for you and I will be a part of encouraging you to walk in that desire. And so that desire that was in your heart, you gave it to me. And now we're in fellowship, in oneness, in unity. We're together pulling for the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with the Father it ain't the american dream it's not our dream it's his dream it's his desire so when we get with him he puts that desire in us so now we are on go, because what we can ask in confidence the things of the father because now we have his desires and so we're we're asking not amiss we're asking correctly we're asking according to the will of god does that make sense So I believe with all of my heart If you call yourself an intercessor If you have been working with us the next month The last month or so uh, You you have to be getting hungry for souls It's just going to happen It is just going to happen It's just going to flow out of you If you haven't been there No condemnation No guilt, no shame Just I I encourage you to begin to seek Father God He loves you You know I told everyone in the prayer room this morning Every now and then this verse will come out of my heart And it's You know he's worthy Worthy is the lamb That was slain before the foundations of the earth You know we kind of say that in a religious way Worthy is the lamb That was slain before the foundations of the earth I take that personally before there was anything I was on the mind of my father and he had already prepared his son to be sacrificed for me before I was even known in this creation and so I take that scripture to heart worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth when I was fighting against God when I was warring against God he loved me And he knew the day that I would submit because worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. He did it all for me. I don't know how you look at it, but he did it all for me. I don't know how you feel about that, but he did it all for me. (laughs) He did it all for me. And you know what? God called me to start this church. And I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but he didn't call me to start it for you. And I didn't start it for me started it for him because he's interested in people people are important to him I'm going to be with you a couple of moments couple of minutes I, I pray we finish before 12 this is a very who's laughing over this <laughs> there's miracles that still happen yeah. This this message is really on my heart. I think it's timely. I think it's for us. And the title of my message is The Excitement of Evangelism. That went over really big right there. Really. I mean, really, that went over big. The Excitement of Evangelism. Oh, you know, I remember when I was just starting out. I mean... Y'all remember when you first got saved, born again, turned on for God? You were looking for people. I mean, it's like you couldn't wait to go tell people about what had happened in your life and what Jesus did for you. Y'all remember that? I mean, it's almost like we're crazy. I'm praying for some people get crazy again in here. We're just radical because we, we found a life we didn't know that it, we didn't know it was available to us. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe what my eyes are seeing and what I'm understanding now. I got to go tell everybody, and that's what we did. I don't know what happened to a lot of people. I still have my joy and my salvation. I still can't wait to tell people about Jesus. I, I had two people in my treehouse the other day, I bring them up there, and I show them my treehouse. It's, it's magnificent. It's got a wow factor. Once they look at it, they drop all their guards. They—they're not thinking about nothing but, oh my God, you did that? Yeah, but this is oh, awesome. and all they just, they're just—they're wide open. They don't know, but they just let all the walls down. And right when they all lathered up about my treehouse, I hit them with the question. <laughs> I got a—I say I got an important question for you. And they like, yeah, yeah, what? It's beautiful. What? would you got? What you got? I said, if you died today, would you go to hell? And they go. Many say I would. Many say I've never heard that. I've never been asked that before. And these two guys that were at my home the other day—I mean, they were tatted up, had to. You could tell they up to no good. I mean, I'm not judging, but not judging. I. I mean, not because of t- I love tattoos, but if you see my head tattooed, something happened to me, because that's not what I came out of. If you, I, I don't mind earrings, even in men, but if you see me with a big diamond earring in my ear, something went wrong, because that's that's not me. You know, I didn't I didn't really come out of. We didn't have all of that uh, back then. But anyway, these guys, I just saw them as lost. And I just had compassion because they don't know, and so I just started sharing Jesus. That's what we do. It, it's you know Jesus was moved with compassion, and you know money's not going to help people. It'll get them by a while. You know another friend in their life—that's that's good too. A vacation—that's good. Man, who we all want that. I've been—we've been to twenty-six nations in every nation those people look different but i found they all need jesus everywhere you go people need jesus just like i needed jesus so the title of my message is the excitement of evangelism everybody here got evangelized somebody prayed for you somebody witnessed to you, somebody invite you, invited you to church, everybody here was evangelized. And you might be sitting here and say, well, I never got evangelized. Well, I'm fixing to evangelize you. <laughs> so you won't be able to say that. And what I mean, we present the good news, the good tiding. Jesus is resurrected and alive. And he can heal you, restore you, deliver you he's our very present help in the time of trouble I want to read a scripture to you in Proverbs 24 and I'm going to start in verse 10 I'm going to read through 12 and I want you to hear this scripture in your heart if you faint in the day of adversity your strength is small. And so, our strengths work well when everything is well. But we need strength in adversity or a weak place or maybe you don't have confidence in an area. Now listen to this. This is speaking to us as a church. Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. I'm going to read it again. Jesus did his work. We're the only way the world's going to get saved. He did the work. He provided for everything, but he's going to use his church. There's not another way. I mean, angels get involved. Jesus can show up physically bodily but we are the avenue that the Lord wants to use to bring people into his kingdom and he wants to use the bride of Christ I'm going to read this again he's speaking to all of us individually deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to slaughter your prayers count Your witness makes a difference in people's lives. We quote this scripture all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I want to ask you this this question. Do you believe there's people perishing? Is is this just a story? Or are there actually people perishing? Getting to a place after this life where they're screaming and their souls are suffering and they're weeping and there's no hope. I don't know if we believe that. I really don't know if we actually believe that. We will quote that scripture. But do you believe people are perishing I'll give you some statistics 160,000 people die a day from Christian statistics I don't know how they come up with this I think they're a little low myself and I'm not any man's judge they claim 125,000 of those people never claimed Jesus is Lord and Savior. And that's not counting the people that do claim Him, but their hearts are still not right. This is not a condescending message. This is not a condemning message. This is to shake shake us and wake us up. And understand, there are people perishing. There are people dying and not going to heaven because they did not know Jesus Christ as their lord and savior maybe they knew him you know as a historic uh person they knew him in a religious way but you know jesus would tell people in church so to speak full of religion i never knew you. uh danielle font no uh god we got to show that clip we'll do it Uh, rodney howard brown dr rodney howard brown is coming here next monday and uh i'm not sure if we know the magnitude of this meeting i'm just really not sure if we're aware of the magnitude of this meeting he's a mentor in my life since 1990 Uh, just a great man of god a revivalist and probably has had more pushback uh, towards his ministry than any ministry I know of. But he never quit. And he's still doing what he did when he began. He's never changed. I've watched ministries over the year, years. The vision change. The structure changes. You know a lot of things change but his ministry has never ever changed. His forte is to equip the body of Christ to evangelize the world. That's what it's all about. I'm in. Who's in? That's the first responsibility. Of course, there's a lot of other things we need to do. We need to raise people up. We need to teach people. But I'm telling you, as soon as you come in the kingdom of God and you're born again, you can open your mouth. And Jesus, the the words of, you know, the expression of your salvation will begin to just flood out of you. The joy of your salvation will be seen like Mike was or whoever was saying, the glow. You ever see the glow on people? They just shine. They just shine. And they don't say a whole lot. They just shine. The Bible says we are the light of the world. You know what that means? We shine into darkness. That's where we work best, in the dark world. And every Christian's trying to get away from the world. Every Christian's trying to get the job with all Christians on it. You can't escape this world. You're in it. Don't be of it. just just thank God where you are and just let your light shine just just let every deed you do be unto the Lord be the best person on the job be the one that's there uh, prompt first stays the longest more concerned about the boss than anybody else just be a witness of the excellent spirit of Christ come on somebody I gotta read this if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So your strength in Christ is for the worst time amongst the worst people. That's why we do good. I didn't even get an amen out of that. To me. <laughs> Jesus was in the worst place of his life. Nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. Everyone he came for rejected him. And he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm not there yet, but that's my goal. Not to hang on the cross, to preach the cross. Amen? Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? he who keeps your soul does he not know it did you hear what i just read we we can't skirt around this we can't say we don't know people are missing it if we do the lord knows our heart i i'm gonna say this and just you gotta love me okay because i want to awaken I think there's going to be a special place in hell for people who said nothing in the midst of all the immorality and perversion and people doing the wrong thing and headed to hell fast. And we know and we don't say anything. Or we know and we skirt around it. Listen, I have some frustration with some things in this country. Corrupt politicians, it frustrates me. Just laws that are being passed, that frustrates me. Who's here? People that ought to go to jail, not going to jail. Discrimination, racism all of this stuff, Y'all know how we get all worked up about that? And some of us never say anything. Or we just complain. We complain. We don't try to be an, an answer or a salute. We just complain. We just complain. We're not taking a spot. We're not standing in a gap somewhere. We're not taking part to make a difference. We can all admit to that. Well, listen. Forget about the natural. Think about the spiritual realm. What's going on around us? People are perishing. And You say, Pastor, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you, people are perishing. You know, people tell me all the time, this guy, he has a good heart. Really? He beats his wife. He's not there for his kids. He won't hold a job. He's on drugs, and he steals and lies. But he got good heart. No, he doesn't have a good heart. <laughs> you know what are we doing? No. The Bible says the heart is deceitful, it's wretched. Without Christ, it is. Without Christ, your, our goodness is like filthy rags. There's no way we could ever measure up. Jesus measures us up. So our frustration. How about crimes against nature? You kill an eagle, people get all upset. God forbid a dog get run over. Oh, I mean, people, they lose it. I know you love your little dog, that's okay, that's okay. (laughs) People shoot an elephant. People don't understand this management things, you know, there's too many elephants. None of them going to live if they eat up all the habitat. So you have to get a, rid of a few. Y'all know how crimes again, you know, and then people just you know kill elephants to just get the tusks. Doesn't that frustrate you? Just all the crazy thing that's going on. Well, why why doesn't why don't we get worked up about people perishing? This is not an eagle. This is not a dog. This is human that are missing the mark, and Jesus paid for everything. I was there. I thank God for the people that came to me. They loved me. Yes. They loved me. They came to me fearful because I would mock them. I would ridicule them. I'd tell them I don't need Jesus. You need Jesus, you little weak thing. I would torment them, but they kept coming back. They saw I was They saw that I would not go to heaven. I don't care who thought what. I was not. And they were persistent. And they never let up. And they prayed. And they witnessed and they loved me right where I was. And because of that one day, I gave my life to Jesus. Sin matters. I said, sin matters. It will mess you up. It will put you in the wrong place. Sometimes we have to tell people, it's not good for you. Don't be afraid to say that. If you love people, if your children had a loaded gun, or your child had a loaded gun, and they're seven, you'd take it from them. You'd be responsible. And so with grown-ups, that are lost, adults that are lost, just because of what happened in life, How many of y'all know things happen in life to good people? And this thing, they get on a wayward road. And if we don't reach out, if we're not compassionate, what's going to happen to them? This This is how we do. Anybody in here watch these videos where people constantly get hurt? You know, they're on a skateboard and they fall and they hurt themselves. You know, they don't show them crying or bandaging their wounds. If people laugh at that, if you laugh at that, you need to come up here and let me pray for you. You you really do. You laughing at people getting hurt? Come on. And I've I've got trapped in that too. It does have a funny side, but that's real. They're really hurting. That's somebody's son, child. Maybe they're on drugs. You know, people look at drunks and they stumble around and they laugh at them what's wrong with us i'm judging myself what's wrong with us we watch shows that they just shoot them, up, shoot them up 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 and we're so desensitized we're so desensitized that we don't even consider today that people are perishing without Jesus. I think the greatest crime being committed right now is not by the corrupt or criminals. It's by Christians. Not stepping up, not speaking up. You know, if you're with the Father, if you love Jesus and you're seeking Him, He's going to let you in all. This is His heart. He died for the souls. So if we're fellowshipping with Jesus, there's no way, You can skirt around his love for the Lost. There's no way, there's no way we can escape his heart. Whoever you get close to, you you get to know him. I said it, their desires, their wants, their call, their life. And same thing with Jesus. You get close to Jesus. He came not to condemn. He came to save souls. This word, don't hold back. Don't hold back. It really means to politely or patiently restrain an impulse to do something now if you're here today and you're like me you see somebody and they're in desperate need because they're doing crazy things you're just hoping the government's gonna do something you are just hoping maybe their parents will correct them or their boss will help no 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 we we are the helping hands of the Lord and so if, if you ever get to this place and and let's kind of have a little hand raise here if you ever get to this place and you start thinking about jesus because you know that's the answer and and you want to do something but you just don't anybody ever been there and so that's a good thing that that's really that's the heart of the lord that's a good thing if you maybe say i'm i'm never there well that's okay hang around us we'll get you there It's okay wherever you are. But you want to help. And you know in the natural, you don't have it. And in the natural, we don't. But in Christ, he has it. And he lives in us. And what he did 2,000 years ago, he's still doing today through us. He's still alive. Isn't that good news? I heard somebody say, if you link up the loss we'd go around the planet hand to hand and the line grows 20 miles a day of lost people I'm telling you we serve a just father there's not going to be a reprieve he's done it all and he's waiting for us this is serious so I don't expect you to get too excited right now (laughs) you know Susan probably heard a message like this before I was saved she probably heard many messages like this before I was saved so she kicked in she started loving me she started living for the Lord she started doing things with an excellent spirit she started hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit she became sensitive to the Father because she knew that she would be part of the process of me coming to the Lord. Jesus said, pray, pray for laborers because the harvest is ripe. And I'm telling you, we have been praying. I feel the anointing here this morning. We have been praying. We have been praying. And I'm telling you, the penetration and the power of prayer is to step out and be a part of the labor force. That's, That's it right there not only pray but now come on step out just step out be a voice I'm praying for everybody in this room that the Holy Spirit would give you utterance that you could begin to speak our country is in a bad place right now because Christians don't say anything they're so mad at everybody that's corrupt they don't say anything well go to hell I'm not doing it I'm not going to let my country go to hell and I don't want nobody to go to hell I don't think we understand what hell is It's real. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody deserves going there. It wasn't made for man. It was made for the enemy. It's a hideous place. It's a cruel place. There's no way out and there's no hope forever. And you could be sitting there and say, how could God send somebody to a place like that? He doesn't send anybody people make a decision to reject his son. He gave his very best and for somebody to accuse my God, my father of sending people to hell I mean I mm, mm. you didn't give your own son or daughter for somebody's salvation but he did. He meant what he did. He meant to give it all that everyone could have it all and everybody could escape all of hell. Who are the lost? Anybody ever been in a rest home, old folks home? We need people to go there there's people in those homes that need Jesus where are the lost anybody going in prisons what you do to the least you do to me Jesus said how about the schools the workplace how about neighbors how about your mom and daddy how about your mom and them <laughs> your children, your aunts, your uncles. Where are the lost? They're everywhere. They're all around us. And listen, my job, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I'm not going to do. I, I, I'm not going to do that. I will do it first. But my job is to train up the body of Christ and equip them. Perfect the faints, the saints, the faints. <laughs> you either a faint or a saint. I think we got some saints here. I'm to train up, equip, equip, equip. Train up, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? The work of the oh, Evangelize the world. And I have to do it too. I have my own personal ministry. I don't just stand behind a pulpit, just have people come up, pray for people for salvation. I do that, but I have my own personal ministry. I talk to people. I don't even tell them I'm a pastor. Because you tell them you're a pastor, they shut down. So I don't, I'm just like, they don't know who I am. I tell them I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> don't lie. If you say, surely we did not know this, we won't be able to say, Lord, I didn't know they were perishing. And you might say today, I wasn't conscious of this. Well, now you know. That's part of my job. Now you know. This is serious. It's life and death. I mean, of course we want our children to have an education, want them to go to college, but how about their salvation? What's the point? How about their purpose in life? I was going to read a bunch of scriptures about I'll just read one Isaiah 5 14 therefore she hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure hell is just waiting y'all ever go to ballrooms don't raise your hand this was one if you have never been this was the biggest ballroom on this side of the river I bought it so it could never be a ballroom again we bought it how about that Hell, you ever, you ever go in the ballroom though and when you walk in, everybody there is like, hey, they here. Come on, sit down. You remember how you just got welcomed in to the den of iniquity? Just welcomed in. Just welcomed in. Some of y'all were the team leaders. <laughs> Some of y'all paid for everybody's tab just to have a big party. well listen, drug addicts are doing that now. Come on in. Timmy was telling me the other day, I dropped him off at a store to go get a biscuit. I said, Timmy, don't get fat on me now. He went in and got a a biscuit. I think two or three people asked him if he wanted to buy drugs. They're everywhere. You use drugs, you don't have to go far. Matter of fact, they'll give you drugs to keep you on drugs because you're a good account. If they lose you to Jesus, they lose everything. And so every perverted thing is asking you, come my way, come my way. Hell's mouth is wide open to devour people. The Bible says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I want to stop that. I want to do my part. Hell from beneath, Isaiah 14, 9, is excited about you. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones. Thrones, All the kings of the nation. Hell is welcoming the lost. You know when we're in Costa Rica. We cross this bridge. And there's these magnanimous. Horrendous. Huge. Enormous crocodiles I think they just throw cattle down there just to draw the tourists I'm serious they are like beasts you wouldn't even hit the water if you fell they're just creatures that will devour hungry for flesh hell's the same way just waiting for humanity to not accept Jesus. And a drunk man one day just fell over, never found him. People are falling over every day. People are falling in the jaws of death and hell every day. Jesus would go out of his way to meet the lost. The lady at the well, she was a prostitute. He went like 36 miles out of his way. Zacchaeus, he stopped and he called him down. He said, "I want to come to your house. Come on." That's what he did. He went out of his way. Evangelizing is going to have you go out of your way. It's going to cost you something. If you love Jesus, you do. He did it for you, so we'll do it for him. Come on, somebody. I'm getting close. In Ezekiel 3 it talks about the watchman we are all watchmen on the wall and what we do we alert people and what they would do they would alert people about a, a danger coming towards the city and if the watchman alerted the city he did his job if the city did not respond you understand or didn't come behind the walls the blood was no longer on the watchman. He did his job. He was responsible. But if the watchman didn't warn the city and people were hurt, the blood was on his hands. We're watchmen. The Bible even talks about if a righteous man falls and we don't go get him or we don't warn him what could happen, then their blood is on us. If we warn them. See, you have to talk. And you're talking against the grain. You you just have to listen, you you witnessing is not about us. It's about Jesus. I'm scared. It's not about you. I'm not good enough. I said it's not about you. I'm not confident. It's not about you. I don't talk good. It's not about you. <laughs> about the Lord in you. That's what he wants. You know anybody stumbling? I'm going to ask this question. Has anybody ever prayed for boldness to be a witness? I don't know. I don't know. In the Bible, they were thrown in jail and came back out and they had the need. They had a need. And you know, they were before the Lord and his need was their need. His need was for them to be bold. And they basically said, well, Lord, give us boldness. Now, they were with the Father. They had a need, but it was the Father's need, so they just cried out, Lord, give us boldness. Just give us boldness. And you know what? They got the Holy Spirit fell on them. Next thing you know, the place started to shake. And boldness fell on every one of them. And the Bible said they went and they preached the word everywhere. I believe if we would pray for boldness with the right heart, not boldness for Pastor Butch to do it, (laughs) if we would just come before the Father and say, Lord, I know the heart of your son. He came for soul. I want to be like your son. I want to do what he did. You don't have to die on the cross, but you do have to die to your flesh, to your pride, to your own self-will. Try Let's try that. This week, I want you to pray for boldness. Oh, Jesus. You know, that's like people saying, don't pray for patience. You know what's gonna happen if you pray for patience. You, You know what's gonna happen if you pray for patience. If you pray in faith for patience, I know what's gonna happen. You're gonna get Patience. I don't know why you run in that crazy yaw of negativity. <clears throat> You're going to get patience. And of course, you'll have to try it. You'll have to practice it. And so if we're going to pray for boldness to be a witness, I'm sorry. You're going to have to practice it. <laughs> That's just the way it works. I, I tell you, I think we just nuts sometimes. That's the will of the Father. You pray for boldness to be a witness. That is the will of God. I don't know what you've been praying. It might have been outside of the will of God, but that is the will of God. So let's let's run this uh, video uh, because this ministry, this mentor of mine, I, I feel like we're together, united in one heart for souls. And I'm telling you, I've strayed away at times because you have to pastor, you have to help people in this. But we should never, ever stray away from preaching the gospel and being a witness. We should never. That should be in our everyday walk. It's not it's just something we do. It's something we made made for. Amen. So this church is about to fill up because you're getting deputized right now to be a soul winner because you're going to pray for boldness and boldness is going to fall on you and we won't be able to shut you up. I'm telling you, the Lord will wind you up like that little pink bunny rabbit and you just go beating your little thing and telling people about Jesus and you know what? When people ridicule you and attack you and resist you, you should cry for them. You shouldn't cry for yourself. You shouldn't want to slap them. I mean, come on. They're going to hell and we're just trying to help. I don't know too many people went to the doctor. The doctor said, you have cancer. We want to help you. And the person just slapped the doctor and said, I don't need you. If you do, the doctor's still serious about you have cancer. And I'm sure he still wanted to help you. But his hands are tied. And so we do our part. And the Lord brings the result. Let's run that clip. I want you to really get this in your spirit.
2: Winnie from a little boy, I felt the call to come to America. We came here December of 1987, three children, five, three, seven months, landed with $300 because we felt God call us as missionaries to America. We found ourselves crying out to God that God would come and move. That led us for what happened in April of 1989 when revival broke out in upstate New York. We didn't realize that what took place that week would begin to pick up momentum throughout 89, 90, go back to Southern Africa for three months, see it hit our country, 91, 92, and then what would take place in Central Florida in 93, Lakeland, Carpenter's home church, an explosion that in six weeks of 100,000 people came through the doors. That would then catapult us across America and then to the nations of the world what I begin to see the lord begin to do is almost like send us on a mission the whole of australia is shaken in the 95 period south africa is shaken england right across europe germany philippines singapore what was so amazing is just to watch One place, catch fire, then the the demand comes for you to go to another place, and then you go there. It was actually in one of our biggest meetings in Singapore in 95. That's when God spoke to us about the River Church. We started first day of December 1996. 575 people showed up. That led to the opening of the River Bible Institute, the following here, which now over 4,000 people have graduated. What, in essence, the Lord allowed us to do from 96 until the present was to raise up an army of people that would go do what we do without us doing it. I remember the early part of 98, we were in Ozark, Alabama, went to sleep. And in this dream, I was standing looking over New York City. And standing next to me was Dr. Billy Graham. He had had one of the great revivals in New York City, Madison Square Garden back in the 50s. I was standing there and he was talking to me about it in the dream. I began to weep uncontrollably. Got out of bed and I knew exactly what that meant. I heard the Lord say, Go to New York City and launch one of the biggest soul winning crusades since the 50s. One thing led to another. We went and negotiated on Madison Square Garden, rented it for six weeks in the summer of 99 in an event that would cost $6.7 million. Trained up the harvesters, Gospel Soul Winning script was birthed. We saw 48,459 people give their lives to the Lord. Everything we're doing today was kind of birthed there. The message that was preached on the 30th of July, 99, that there was a storm coming, talking about the rise of terrorism, nations from the downfall of America as we speak. America's not ready for what's coming. What would happen if a missile landed in the middle of New York City? Two years before 9-11. I can promise you on the day of 9-11, I had a sense of relief, which I know that sounds crazy, but I remember standing up the Sunday after 9-11 and I said to everybody, had we not obeyed, I would have resigned the ministry today because I would not even be considered fit to even be in the ministry, that we obeyed God and we did what God told us to do. The comfort is knowing that you are doing exactly what God wants you to do. There's nothing greater than just obeying the Lord. Whether in the eyes of man, it matters not, but obey him. So, 99 was New York. 2000 was Shreveport. 2001, God gave us our world headquarters here, 83 acres of property. In the end of 2002 was a very uh, major, major thing for us because our middle daughter Kelly, uh, she died in my arms on Christmas day. She battled for 18 years with genetic disease called cystic fibrosis. On Christmas day, yeah, you are holding your daughter in your arms and she's dying in your arms and it was just past her 18th birthday. As a minister, I had to make a decision what the devil walked in there and stole my daughter from me, or I'm gonna put her on the altar. I just, in my heart, felt I'm gonna give the Lord my best gift today, Christmas day. But I make a vow that the devil will pay 100 million souls and a billion dollars into world missions. It's amazing how these things happen but I know that God hears the cry and honors the vow. So when you make a vow for 100 million souls, you have to go get the souls. Where do you go to get the souls? Africa. So we went to Soweto. Went from there to Mazi, then to Mamalodi, then to Mindalsani. And we were doing one every six months. I'm looking at this field, the whole place was dance. People were just happy. We're going to roll right through Africa and get this hundred million souls. It was in that fourth meeting where the Lord said to me, "America." I was a little shocked. I said, "Lord, we going off of the hundred million souls?" He said, "America is your primary call." He said, "Clear the calendar, focus on the U.S. Don't go rent stadiums like you did before. Just use churches." We went to 55 cities in 27 months from 2007 through the early part of 2009, and saw 1.1 million people saved. So then the Lord opened up, back in His London, the 50 days of glory, the nightly telecast, and over 300,000 people come to know Jesus. And the Lord said, I'm gonna do that in America. 2011, Christian Television Network opened to us six hours every night, seven nights a week. Through television alone, 120,000 saved. Given all of what we're doing with the Great Awakening from 2011, 2012, by, by 2013, I didn't even know if we even had a window to turn this thing around. I said, "Lord, what do we even do? You know, it's this thing too far gone." And I felt the Lord say, "Go to Washington, D.C." We went to D.C in the summer of 2014, rented Constitution Hall and issued a restraining order. So tonight in the name of Jesus and by the power of the name of Jesus, I come against the structure that is holding our nation in captivity right now. I bind it and I render it powerless and ineffective in the name of Jesus from the Supreme Court to the White House, to the executive branch, to the Congress and the Senate. I execute a restraining order against you right now by the power of the blood of Jesus. You stop in your maneuver against this ram. 2015 we went back again, 2016, 2017 and 2018 right in the capitol. We walked every office of the Congress, every office of the Senate, so over 56,000 people saved. So here we are, my World Headquarters, this is a place of, of launching, it's a, a place of Raising up revivalists for the 21st century, they're going to go from here and go out and light fires in the nation of the earth. It's also a place where people come from other nations and get ignited. And then it's a place of broadcasting. We welcome all of you watching by way of Christian Television Network on the Dishon Direct platform, then by way of the World Wide Web. Literally thousands of people are watching. The same anointing that's in this place will come right into your house and touch you. I feel what God's put together here is, is a launching pad to carry revival to the nation of the earth. When the Lord gave us 83 acres, I felt that we wouldn't build till we had definite plans. And of course, that has taken place here yeah, the last couple of years. We felt the Lord tell us, "Build as though money was no object." We're not going to borrow from the banks. We're basically going to dig a ditch and watch God fill it, and really just see the Word of God work. What has resulted is is the plans for the full 83 acres, which is going to be the new sanctuary that'll seat about 4,300. Everything from the new children's church, youth facility television studios, everything related to the church, bank, restaurants, the hotel, the chapel, and then all of the other things that will come about on the property which will unfold as we build. So let's see what the Lord is gonna do. This is an adventure that will be as much an adventure for us as it will be for everybody else. In the 1700s, America had what was known as the First Great Awakening. That First Awakening shook America. A hundred years later, they had the Second Great Awakening. What we believe in God for is a Third Great Spiritual Awakening. The first two awakenings actually affected the culture. There have been revivals over the last hundred years, but it's not affected the culture of America. An awakening affects everything, from the houses of government to every house. And that's what we believe in God for, another great spiritual awakening.
0: Getting ready for that. It's all about souls. This is very timely. Uh, matter of fact, about two months ago, I heard myself say, by the end of the year, I would like to have a hundred soul out, on fire, not ashamed, revivalists. Just a hundred. And his, I didn't know this, but they are going to 300 churches. We happen to be one of them. And what they want to do, they want a hundred revivalists in each city that they go to. Are you one? You, you don't have to be there. You may feel less and less. You may feel the least. But in your heart, you've got to know in Christ that you are part of this. You are part of this end time awakening. God, y'all know I have the sign in my shop of uh, Uncle Sam. He's pointing and he says, I want you. I have an original one in my shop on metals. No telling what it's worth. Every time I look at it, the Lord speaks to me to speak to you, to tell you. all of you see that's that's it he doesn't want to share us with anything else of course he wants us to have a great life he wants us to prosper of course we have fun y'all know if we can't have fun I'm out of this thing and so excitement of evangelism I'm I'm stoked I'm excited I'm not discouraging one bit God is raising up a whole new breed of people here at the river we've raised up people and sent them out and now God some people that we didn't recognize before they're just like coming up and it's like so much potential you know, I, the more I hang around people that come to this church the more I see potential I'm talking about earth changes city changes people that will change the history of our land, in here, in Addis. Uh, That's what I see. Pastor, you see big. Well, I serve a God that sees big. And so where it starts, it just starts where it started with me. I had no purpose in my life. That was my struggle. God, what am I doing? Live this whole time and never know what my purpose is. That's That's what my hunger was. And I had no clue of Jesus. And then Jesus showed up. And then he started unveiling my purpose. I don't know what your purpose is, but it's big in Christ. You are an influencer. God wants to put you in a place and in a position to do some great exploits for him. He wants to show himself strong to you and you may be sitting there and feel so small in this enormous kingdom of god but you're special and you're unique and it all starts from just surrendering so while every head is bowed and nobody's looking around and you might be here this morning and uh the things that have been spoken here go beyond what you heard in your head. But when it was spoken, you got a witness inside of you. The very you, the core of you, the real you. Just got a witness like, you know what, I'm getting old or maybe I'm young. I need to to serve the Lord. I need to sell out. And you may not even know what that means. It just means ask Jesus to come in your life, be Lord of your life. And if you're here today and you have never, ever totally submitted your life to Christ, like you would submit to a job, like you would submit to your wife, you know, you're in it for the long run. If you've never, ever submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you never asked Him to come change you and forgive you of all your sins, while everybody's head is down, nobody's looking around, if God's speaking to your heart, it's only me and you and God, I want you to raise your hand. Say, that's me. God's God's talking to me. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on. I'll say it again. Is God, I see your hand. There may be a few people here you just, maybe you're not sure, but God's speaking to your heart. Don't maybe have the nerve to raise your hand. Raise your hand boldly. I'm telling you, God will change your life. I see your hand. Raise your hand boldly. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. Amen. If you would pray this prayer with me, and everybody will pray it. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm lost without you. I have no purpose. I've been running aimlessly in this life. I'm ready for redirecting. I give you my life. And I start by repenting of all my sin. Forgive me, Lord, for my wrongdoings. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. I repent. I'm turning. I'm not turning a leaf. I'm turning my life over to you. I make you now my Lord and my Savior. I believe Jesus died for me and my sins. And he was buried with my sin. But he rose and he lives today. And I want this new life this resurrection life in me me. now and I accept it I receive it and I thank you that I'm born again and I will follow Jesus all the days of my life I prayed that prayer 30 something years ago and my whole life began to be transformed because my heart was right I believe the five or six people that did that today get ready for a change around a change up a turnaround. Yeah. well we need you here Wednesday night it's going to be the preparation time for the big event uh, Monday so just come if you're new just come you know, I'm asking my leaders My leaders are coming But I want to be a leader well, I don't know about leading well, I don't know about none of them You come too <laughs> And we're asking everybody to bring a dish And we're just going to talk about Some things in our strategy And the structure that we're going to set up Because I'm believing The place is going to be filled That's where my faith is we don't have enough room. There'll be people standing outside that can't get. It. We need help for this. This is going to be a main event. We need your help. If you hadn't been around here long, it's okay. Just come. We need your help. Well, Susan and I and all of our leadership team here, we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen.
1: Woo!